Well, good morning. Happy 4th of July. As Mark said, we'll be in Psalm chapter 40. We'll be continuing our series through the book of Psalms. I don't know about you, if you can like look back and remember, there are some times in your life that have, can be really defining and shaping. And for me, when I was 19, there was a moment like that. I participated on a mission trip to the Middle East that summer. It lasted nearly two months. And at the time, I was, a, I was a pre-med student looking to shadow some medical doctors overseas. And I was excited. I was pumped. I was telling everybody about it. We were a bunch of young college kids, just super excited to go overseas. And it ended up being one of the most difficult experiences in my life. And um, one, one, it was very isolating. We were homesick. I got sick twice. And I'm, it's not the kind of sick that you are when you're here and you just like turn on a movie, you have AC. It's like you're in the middle of like nowhere, sweating, no, no movies. You're sitting all alone, missing your family. And it was a kind of sickness where I was bedridden for several days at a time, no energy. And actually ended up leaving this mission trip. I lost 25 pounds of my weight. I um, was just so sickly the whole time. On top of that, it was just a really eye-opening trip. I was, you know, 19, I was zealous, I was, you know, in California at the time, and I was there, and it was just a, it was painful watching just the, the spiritual darkness. It was tough seeing the missionaries who had given up their lives to being there, and just the, the battles and the hardship that they were experiencing raising families there. And I just remember missing my family, wanting to be done. I just feel like I was like, I was running back with like my, my tail between my legs, just defeated. And for me, I was just excited to see my family. And for me, like, family had always been a safe place. It was like my rock. It was my refuge. And I remember just that 15-hour plane ride home, just excited to reunite with my family. And I remember getting home. It was a 12-hour difference. We did, like, the, the hugs, the embraces. And I, I went to bed really early. I got up at the ungodly hour of, like, 4 a.m. because I'm, you know, jet-lagged, trying to uh, adjust to American time zones again. And I just remember having a conversation with my dad in the kitchen. And I just remember, you know, thinking I'm coming back to everything, everything's great again. And my dad just expressed that all the things that had gone in my family. And I have a brother who's older and a sister who's younger. And there was just all this chaos that went down in two months. I hadn't had any contact with my family. I didn't really know what was going on. I felt blindsided. I felt like hurt. And my brother had moved out. My, my parents weren't like on talking terms with my sister. There was all sorts of like family drama and I felt like I missed it. I didn't realize what was happening. To make matters worse, I was about to start school, and I was dating this girl, and she um, had us meet over for coffee, which should have been my first sign, and she just said, I'm sorry, but God told me I can't date you, which is just terrible. As a 19-year-old, you're like, what? Like, God didn't, God didn't call me and tell me that. It was really, it was really hard, because you just kind of like have to shake your head and go, okay. Hard to disagree with that. Um, so that happened. My family was going through a bunch of different things. And then, to make matters worse, I started off the school year sick. I ended up going to the doctor like six to seven times, and it felt like every time they thought I had mono. They kept thinking that my, my, my energy was low. I kept coming back, trying to figure out what was wrong with me. My grades plummeted. I felt rejected. My family, my safe place, was in shambles. And as my youth pastor used to say, when it rains, it pours sometimes. And I feel like we all experience this reality at some point in our lives. And honestly, many of us have walked through even harder, more painful seasons of life. We've lost loved ones. We've walked through dead ends in our career and fertility. You've entered a career field that you just feel like it is so not fulfilling. You feel underappreciated. 
We've experienced marital problems here as a church, right? There are, there are conflicts in our own families and things that just seem so hard to resolve and sometimes feel shaming that we can't even get along with the people closest to us. Some of us, our body just refuses to cooperate and we're constantly in and out of medical and, and feeling sick. And there are those seasons in our lives where we are just brought to our knees and we cry to God, enough, please Lord, I cannot take this anymore. And we begin to doubt and wonder if God cares, if he's present, and how he can passively watch as we enter into all the suffering. And what I love about the Psalms is I believe that they invite our whole selves to engage with our creator. That we are invited this morning to carry our baggage, our pain, our fear, our distress, our depression, and even our exhaustion and bring them before to God. And sometimes I believe that as Christians, we have this like warped view of emotions that, that we can't really experience negative emotions without sinning. And we kind of play this game of like emotional denial. Like, yeah, it's like painful, but like God's good. Like, you know, we kind of like try to shake it off and like pretend like what we're experiencing isn't that difficult. When in reality, the emotions are often indicators of what's happening, what's transpiring in our hearts. And that we'd be wise to pay attention and listen and process the emotions that God has invited us to do. And I love that about the Psalms because they invite us to be raw and authentic before God. And we're able to see these authors bear their soul before their maker. And as Mark said, this morning we're going to be in Psalm 40 where I believe what we're given encouragement from our past to help us in moments where things feel like everything is falling apart. And I believe this, that we as a believer, as, as, as a people, we are prone to forgetting. And we must discipline ourselves to remember. And I believe it's a discipline because we are forgetful creatures that so quickly forgets God's past faithfulness in our lives. As you guys open to Psalms 40, it follows a pattern of lament. And it's believed to be written by David. And the context of the psalm, it's not fully known. We actually don't know the precise moment that David is writing about. But I actually don't think it's all that crucial for understanding this morning. Because there is so much that is written about David. His entire life was filled with incredible victories and painful lows. We can only guess, but you know, maybe it was written when David was on the run for all those years from King Saul. That it was not an easy, easy pathway for David. He got anointed. He fought Goliath. Instead of being crowned king, right, he goes through this period of years of just being exiled from his own people, living in isolation. And surely there was moments where David was like, did God forget about me? Or maybe the time when he lost his closest friend, Jonathan, in battle, right when he was about to become king. Or when his son, Absalom, takes over David's throne and, and civil war breaks out. And he loses the son he loves and the kingdom is, is suffering. Regardless, there are so many moments in David's life where he experienced loss, tragedy, and distress. And I believe that this psalm offers a rallying cry where we find strength. How to patiently endure when our world is crashing around us. I want to just go ahead and open up and read these first three verses in Psalm 40. Let's read this together. I waited patiently for the Lord. He inclined to me and heard my cry. He drew me up from the pit of destruction out of the miry bog. And he set my feet upon a rock, making my steps secure. He put a new song in my mouth, a song of praise to our God. Many will see and fear and put their trust in the Lord. 
I love verse one. It opens with, I waited patiently for the Lord. It's a double meaning in the Hebrews. It conveys this like active, persevering exercise of patience. It's not like this passive waiting that we do with the DMV and just like waiting for a ticket, you know, waiting forever and just kind of what the heck's going on. But it, it kind of conveys the kind of wait that like a waiter does when he, when he waits upon a hungry guest looking for the menu. This eager anticipation. And as I was reading this and figuring out what direction we would do as a church this morning, I, I kind of found this opening verse almost misleading in one sense. Because David expresses this persevering kind of patience. And the second half immediately links you know, this waiting period of God, inclining his ear, and then right after that, lifting David from this experience. For most of us in our experiences, when we go through hard times, when we go through trials, it feels like an eternity. Like waiting feels like forever. Like that's not an American value we like. Like I, I, I'm terrible at patience. I'm terrible at waiting. I want things now on my timing. And a lot, of it, a lot of us would probably, if we're being honest this morning, it feels like we're waiting impatiently for God to intervene. We're waiting impatiently for God to move, to cast away the obstacles or the, the bog that we find ourselves in. And I thought about this question, how do we wait patiently for the Lord? And I love that we do that welcome every week here at church for all those who are weary, for all those who are broken and need rest and wonder if God cares. How do we be a people that waits patiently for the Lord to intervene in our lives when circumstances feel daunting and it feels like God is absent? And I believe that the, the power and key to what, what David's going to get out in the psalm is this discipline of remembrance. Today's July 4th, and we are celebrating a national holiday. It's one of my favorite holidays. And it's not just some celebration of, of fireworks, paid time off work, and a, a great excuse to barbecue and drink beer. It's a, it's a celebration. We're remembering today. Freedom. That's grounded in our history as a nation. It's a day of remembrance. We, we, we take a moment to remember the sacrifices of those who came before us and gave their lives for freedom. It's a time for us to think and ponder of what it costs for so many. That freedom is a gift. That we are privileged and we are blessed this morning. That a national holiday, a holiday, right? It was designed to emphasize a, a particular aspect of our American heritage. To celebrate an event in American history. And I think it, it's, it's, it's fitting that we have holidays, right? Because we are forgetful. And so we don't forget our past by the busyness that often consumes us in the present. And they're designed to implement because they reveal a human condition that we are a forgetful people. And I think as we look at the Old Testament, God commanded his people so many times in a similar way to write down his words and reflective on them. Why? Because he knew they were a forgetful people. And how many times have we seen in Israel's history, they knew God, they saw God move, and then they quickly ran from him. They quickly forgot what he had done to their forefathers. Because he wants his people to recall and remember all that he'd done. Psalm 78 is a, is a beautiful psalm that was meant to be handed down to the next generation. And it's just this beautiful reminder that, that what God had done throughout their history, that God had called Abraham. He had moved in the life of Joseph to save his family from starvation. Excuse me. He rescued his people from the land of Egypt. He split the rock to provide them water. He fed them from the sky. He led them for 40 years in the middle of the wilderness to the promised land. 
And eventually David and the outcast, David all abandoned alone. One day David would be crowned king and sit upon the throne of Israel because God had been faithful. And there was the rock to stand on when counting present trials in our lives. This morning as a church, as we think about where we've been, we remember God's past faithfulness to trust him deeper in the present. And we celebrate and remind us that God has been faithful to us as a church, as a community, as we celebrate a special day like today, that we can take heart and trust despite a difficult, challenging, and, and painful last 18 months of life. And sometimes I think we take these psalms and we try to make them all about just me. And we try to like make it, I think we tend to bend it toward individualism and we divorce its content from the collective whole that we were meant to, to celebrate this as the people of God. And sometimes that we think about remembrance, it's just like this private thing that I have, but no, we're supposed to celebrate this together. That's what makes holidays special, right? That's what makes remembrance uh, more precious. That we might reflect upon God's promises to us and we might celebrate that despite um, closures and, and isolation that we are still meeting as a church, that we have GCs and we have community, that we are still growing in, in our love and affections for Jesus. And this doesn't diminish our pain and affliction that we're going on here. But it helps us to step out and just look back and say, man, God is moving as he orchestrates time out through history. And we zoom out and remember that God is still on the throne in the midst of a global pandemic. We remember that God is still moving in his church everywhere where persecution is rampant for our African, Asian, our Middle Eastern brothers and sisters. We remember that God is still using the church to advance his purposes. We remember because they provide us hope for our present. And as we look ahead and get daunted by all that life throws out against us, we remember all the way that God is faithful. And I believe this, that this morning, this psalm, it should, it should corporately as a body, we sh- it should ground us. And it should be read in that context. And I also remember that too, that we are individually, like there are many of us that are, that are going through individuals and struggles as David speaks to his own struggle before the Lord. And I believe that this psalm also provides hope for each of us in the midst of our circumstances. As we zoom into David's life, we can receive personal encouragement and hope. Because like my story at the beginning that I shared, there are, there are moments and seasons that feel like God has abandoned you. But, but I believe there's encouragement for us this morning where David expresses in verse 2 through 3. I just want to read those again and just reemphasize though that he says this about his creator. He, he drew me up. Or another translation, he delivered me from the pit of destruction out of the miry bog and set my feet upon a rock, making my steps secure. He put a new song in my mouth, a song of praise to our God. Many will see and fear and put their trust in the Lord. And again and again and again, David goes back to the promises of God. He goes back to his past faithfulness. He recalls all the times in his life where he was fighting against opposition. He was staring death in his very eyes. And David, as we look at his life and his story, there's so many times where God showed up and delivered him from the pit. There's so many times where he set David upon a rock and gave him a new foundation. He sings a new song. And so many of these psalms are inspired by David's worship out of the pit. And I believe this this morning, this is the anthem and heartbeat of the message of the gospel for our lives. So often, too, we forget where God found us, where God found us in the miry clay, in the bog of our own misery, brokenness, and death, that he has delivered us so many countless times. 
That the, the God we wait for patiently in our own trials, thing, he has come in the person of Jesus Christ. He was not shocked or horrified by our sin. He came as the Messiah to rescue us, to be our deliverance. That he did not cringe at our own sin and our own brokenness, but he came into the very pit that we found ourselves trapped in. That the perfect image of our invisible God became the very worst things that we ever thought, saw, or done. That he became those things on the cross. He became sin, and we recall that. We remember that this morning. Because he became sin. He delivered us from the greatest enemy. Because he's our deliverer. And as much as we still have our circumstances, our pain that we're crying out to God, we find our deliverance in him ultimately. And the patience that we wait, right, it's found in the completion, the death and resurrection of our beloved Savior, Jesus Christ. So, I, so many, for many, as we remember our own stories this morning, as we recall our utter and complete, complete helpless state before God intervened and rescued us, we remember that this is our story. This is your story this morning. And I believe this, more and more we need to practice this remembrance and set these rhythms in our lives to position our hearts to trust and wait patiently for the Lord and his perfect timing. That we must not only preach this, this transformational power of the gospel, what he's done in our lives and our past, taking us from death into life, but we must remind ourselves, we must preach this, God, this message to ourselves. Because we get so bogged down, we get so focused on the life and busyness, all the plans that we do, we forget this message. We forget where we came from. Because this is the gospel, that even in the midst of what we are going through, you are seen. That you are known. That your pain is not hidden from your Father in heaven. He sees you. He loves you. And we take heart as we wait patiently. And we remind our soul of all the things that he has done. My heart broke a few weeks ago we were, when Mark shared and we were talking about another song of lament. And I think it was a reminder that we often like play, play it so cool sometimes. We wear the mask, we can make people believe that we are fine. And I was struck by, as we wrote some of these prayers down, that the pains that we are experiencing as a church. There were signs of just relational loss with members of our family. There are the sicknesses and the pains of, of sickness and, and cancer. Others here, we're, we're experiencing just mental health and, and loneliness and, and depression, suffering. Some of us are experiencing the agony of infertility. There are some of you and some of us who are feeling so stagnant in our faith that we've lost the spiritual backbone or the, the fervency that we used to have. And it's been years and we kind of wonder if, like, will God ever show up again in our lives? And I believe it's in these moments that we, are, that we clean on to dear life. And we pray and we hope for God to deliver from our bondage. It's in these moments. I really believe this. It's in these moments that we remember his past faithfulness, his past promises, his track record. And we place our faith in the midst of fire. Because there are no easy answers for complex pain. And I found myself in these moments when I shared that story. I found myself, even just 19, it was a, it was a defining moment in my life. And I, I remember those moments. I remember just feeling empty as I went to those doctors. I finally had to have a doctor come up to me at the end of the whole, you know, eight time being there. And, and, just, and they had to look at me and just go, you know, you're, you're experiencing every sign of depression, anxiety. Like, are you okay? And it just never occurred to me that I was experiencing those signs, but it was having such physical a toll on my body. I couldn't focus on school. My grades were plummeting. I was just 
I just had no energy. And I remember as I was recoiling from all those things, spinning out of, my, out of control in my life, I kept coming back to God's past goodness and faithfulness in my life. At 19, I, I, I remembered being in high school where God had utterly and completely transformed my life at 15. Where I was just like this, this anxious, depressed, awkward teenage kid that just was terrified of everything. And God took my depression, he took my fear and he placed it with a, with a newfound joy and boldness. And, and that in that high school experience where I, was just, I just hated, my, I hated everything about my life, I felt a peace about my life that I can only ever attest to what God had done but in those moments, in those seasons where you're just, everything's collapsing, it was in that moment that I looked back and I remembered what God had done, that God had changed my life and nobody could take that away from me. And we hold on to the promises we remember because he's our redeemer, he's our refuge, and he's our deliverance. And we aren't meant to do that this morning as a church. We aren't meant to do that alone. But side by side, walk in pain. That's why God, we have community, we have people. We are meant to do this as the people of God. And so much of like why we go to church, why we've seen these songs, why we do our liturgy, it's all for the sake of remembrance. It's to recite these things. It's a rhythm in our life. And, and that's why we celebrate holidays. We have these things in our culture because we are prone to forgetting. And so I pray that as we celebrate with our families a, a holiday, that, that it just be filled with joy. We feel reminded of all the blessings that we have for us as a, as a people, as a family, it's God's church. And that's not to say that diminishes the pain that we're going through, but, it, but it's fuel for how we limp around. I believe this, uh, as we close, I believe closely tied with this idea of remembrance is the practice of gratitude. And I believe that as we think about the day, we, it's supposed to convey gratitude. And one author I was reading says this, that gratitude is, is the basis of, of all holiness. The, holy, the, holy, the holiest person you know is often the most grateful person you know. And I just like that because I'm not a very grateful person. I think it's a good reminder that great, gracious people, it's contagious. And it's this idea of remembrance and reflecting upon all the things that we often forget. Because we're never going to run out of things in our lives that we can complain about. We're never going to run into anything that we can try to improve. We're so good at identifying all things that aren't working in our lives. And so I pray this morning that we would position our hearts to be grateful and seeing all the things that God has done as gifts. Gifts to be grateful and praise him for that. It's not denying your pain, but gratitude in the midst of our pain and drudgery, it's genuine, it's powerful. It's a testimony as a church to our community and to our neighbors. It's saying thank you, God, for all his good and gracious gifts. Because a grateful people is a joyful people. And so I pray that we create moments, times, and rhythms in our lives. They're intentional in remembering the faithfulness that God has been, searching hard for these moments and clean to his promises. Because I believe that these will serve as anchors. And so I pray that as we go into July 4th, we celebrate this holiday, you go with your families, that we would build those rhythms into our lives and that we remember all that God's past has done for us and we feel blessed. Would you guys pray with me this morning? Jesus, we thank you so much for your word. God, we thank you for all the things that you've done and come before us. And so I pray that, Lord, there's so much pain. There's so much pain in our world. There's so much pain in, in our church, our communities. That God, often, it's in these moments that sometimes we just don't have answers. That's okay. 
But I pray that as we think about David's example and David's psalm as he, as he writes this, as we think about that, that, that God, we would just be a people that, that position these things in our hearts, that we, that we remind ourselves that you would stir our hearts to praise and reflect upon all the places that you previously we have been. And when they serve as anchors for us as we navigate the complexity of life, that God, you're with us and you see us and you care that we wait patiently for you are our deliverance. We pray all these things in your name. Amen.